Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to the Tree Church Bible Study. Really glad that you are joining us, and I hope that this has been a uh, beneficial study for you as we've looked through this little apocalypse that, that Mark has in his gospel. And, and we've been looking at Mark chapter 13, and we, we explained yesterday kind of what apocalyptic literature was, and we talked about uh, what Mark is really looking at here. And we looked at two different things. We, we differentiated the historical context and the things that, that Jesus may have been talking about that would be immediately coming up. And we talked about the eschaton, the eschatology, the, the end things. And so we, we said that we always kind of keep these two things in mind because within apocalyptic literature and particularly within biblical uh, ap- apocalyptic literature, eschatology is always in the back of, of the mind. And, and eschatology is always kind of there with it, though it's not always necessarily talking about the end times. And and today we're going to be, I, I'm going to kind of go back to this idea that, that we need to keep in mind and keep in focus that, that Mark is first and expressly concerned with the destruction of the temple. And I know we talked a little bit about yesterday about the, the coming of the Son of Man and and what's really tricky and what makes these passages so hard to, to understand is that Jesus is going to reference it again in Mark chapter 14. And, and I'm actually going to be talking about that next week and when he talks about how the Son of Man is going to be clothed in power and glory and, and seen coming on the clouds and, and how it has this kind of end time picture, this 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 uh this picture of Jesus's return and his his coming back and and this is a vital and important theme and a vital and important promise that that we find throughout the New Testament that Jesus promised to return and to to gather his people to care for his people and to rescue and redeem uh those who call upon his name and so this is a, a an important theme and and these passages, though we're looking at a very historical event and moment, give us context clues, they give us uh, foresight, they give us really an, an even an, an anticipation for the return of Christ. In the church, they kept this on the forefront of their minds, the early church, they kept it on the forefront of their minds all the time. They were really hoping and expecting for Christ to come back right away. Now, we obviously know, and the the early church began to figure out that maybe Christ was going to delay a little bit longer than what they expected, um, because they they lived out this, this calling that we're going to look at today. They lived it out in their lives. They, they were anticipating and hoping and praying and looking for Christ to come back. And honestly, I would say that this is the calling of the church. Whether he tarries for, and, and that's just a, a fancy word that gets used a lot in time, a lot of times in churches, but whether he waits for another thousand years or whether he comes back in the next hour, the hearts and minds of the people who call Jesus Lord are to anticipate and look forward to and be excited about his return. That's what we are going to be looking at in more detail today. Uh, and, and, and I want to say this, as we look at these things, there's going to be responses that are healthy. And this is really the heart of Mark is, 
is what do we do and how do we respond with a heart that's anticipatory for Christ's return? It's it's anticipating uh, the things that he is about to say will come true and will come to pass. Because there's a lot of different responses we can have, but what are the practical things that we can do to live out uh, what Mark desires for us and what Jesus desires for us in these times, these times that are difficult, these times that are hard, these times that are honestly even everyday normal? How How do we live out in our lives this truth that Christ is going to return and that uh, that one day everything that we know will change and all that was wrong will be made right. Now, I don't know if you heard me do communion a few uh, this past week or whenever you're listening to this a few weeks back. Um, I, I, I prayed that God would, would wrong all the rights and, and I, I got my words mixed up and that's truly not my prayer. But the hope of the Christian, the hope of the believer is that, that Jesus will return and that everything will be right. And this is, the, this, is, this is the culmination and the continuation of the day of the Lord. We talked about that yesterday. If you, it, We didn't talk about it in great detail, but it's the idea that God would come and that for those that are looking to him for salvation, they are going to find that rescue that they've always looked for. And when... Uh, when he comes back, and for those that would stand in opposition to God, they are going to be met with God's wrath, God's judgment. And and really, uh, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, he says it this way: They're going to be given exactly what they desire, and that's that's life apart from and separated from God. And this is going to be the ultimate judgment that comes upon those that that stand in opposition to God. And, and let me be clear about something. We may say, well, I'm not standing in opposition to God. I just, I'm just not a very religious person. I, I don't stand in opposition to God. I really, but, but I don't really buy into who Jesus was. And, and, and I don't know that I have to do the, the religious thing to be part of that. I, in a roundabout way, what, what Christ would say, what the Bible would say, uh, what, uh, what Lewis would say in, in light of that is that, in reality, what you want is autonomy. You don't want God to interfere with your life. And so you want to be able to live your life. You want to be able to do what you want to do, but you want the blessings and you want the the kind of uh, religious language wrapped around it. And so that Lewis would say, the Bible would say that that is actually not wanting God. It's not wanting his ways. It's not wanting to uh, value what he values and and live the way that he's called us to live. And so that would mean that we would be in opposition to God. No, no matter how ambivalent we feel or, or, um, or complacent we feel against God, um, if we are not actively pursuing and following and aligning our lives with him, we, we run the risk of, of not walking in line with God or in step with God, but, but standing in opposition. So um, I've gone for eight minutes already, and we've not even gotten to the passages yet. So I'm going to get going here into these passages, and we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 13, verse 28 today. Now, Jesus taught in, uh, in pictures, and so this is going to be important. And another thing that's important as we look at this passage is the, the, the ever-popular fig tree is back. So the fig tree of Mark chapter 11, where Jesus curses it, 
where Jesus revisits it and talks about uh, how um, it wasn't bearing fruit, and but but those that have faith uh, will be able to do more so because the disciples were like amazed that Jesus, uh, he pretty much just said, bear no more fruit, and they came back the next day and the tree was dead. And so like it was a lesson on faith, but but Mark was doing that that Mark and sandwich thing. Well, here we have it again, this picture of the fig tree. And this time he's going to use it to talk about reading the signs of the times. And so this is what it says in verse 28. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and put out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So Jesus is teaching us in pictures. He's, he's using illustrations to, to teach a point. And, and what he's saying in this uh, discourse is, is that we need to be aware and awake of what's happening. When you look at a fig tree, you can tell that summer may be coming near. Why? Because the, the tree will begin to bud and it will begin to, to uh, flower and leaf. And, and in this area, there's, there were not many trees that would have lost their leaves and fallen off. It, it was mostly uh, an, a, an area with evergreens. And so this stood over and apart as a great illustration for how the disciple was supposed to live their lives. So when they would look at the fig tree, they would be able to say, hey, I think summer is coming with all of its warmth and, and its abundance and all of the good things. It's near because this is starting to happen. Now, I don't know about you, but I see trees bud all the time in the springtime at our house. And uh, in, in in, in particularly, we just have a few trees around the edge of our yard. But But when you see them begin to form a bud and you see them begin to uh, to flower and to leaf, you know that spring is coming, right? You, you can tell, but that doesn't necessarily set a date on the calendar that, that spring will be here right then and there. The, the trees can bud and then we can go back into winter. Uh, especially in Ohio, you very well could see buds on the tree and have a frost the very next day. I know uh, people that run... Um, orchards and and they run fruit tree, or in charge of fruit trees they worry about this every single year and so it's not this exact date Jesus isn't giving people a sign that says this is when you will know exactly he's saying this is a sign that things are changing and things are happening that the things that I'm saying are happening so be aware and pay attention he's not giving exact dates he is giving uh he's giving signs that would Keep us attuned and awake to what is going on in the world and what is going on in relation to the words that he has spoken over these last couple uh, verses. So also, when you see these things take place, you know that he is near at the very gates. So he's saying, so when you start to see these things happen, you can know that, that he is near. And, and this term, he is near, it actually can go either way in the Greek. It can either be, it is near like the event itself, or he is near. And there are, uh, the NIV actually was the only one that I saw that, that in the group of texts that I looked at that, that translate the, uh, this verse with it instead of he. But the idea is that the temple is going to be coming down. When you start to see uh, these abominations happening, when you start to see all of these different signs that Jesus had given earlier, when you start to see those things start to, to play out, be no, no, be aware. 
the this time of judgment is coming and and again let's keep in mind this entire passage and 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 all of the verses before it have been against or about Jesus's critique and condemnation and prophecy against the temple and so Jesus is talking about this destruction of the temple so you can know that that is near when you start to see these things happen and he goes on truly I say to you this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Now, um, the, those that were listening to this, would most of them would live to see this happen. 70 AD was 40 years, was 40 years after uh, these things being, uh, that, that were said, that Jesus would say. And so the, the generation that he's talking about, uh, an actual physical generation, could have lived to see the very things that he was talking about. They would have seen Caligula attempt to bring a statue into the the um, into the temple. He, he, they would have seen all of the kind of the time period, and and they would or excuse me, they would have seen all of the the events that were leading up to that. They would have seen Rome becoming more aggressive. And I I think the best picture or the best video that I've ever watched that that really gives good context with to what was going on in the time period after Jesus uh, was ascended and the disciples were doing their thing. They became the apostles and they were growing the church. The best video that I've ever watched is called AD, and it's a video series that uh, um, that the History Channel put out a few years back, and it's, it's, it's a great depiction of this time period and all of the tensions and the turmoil that was taking place. And so Jesus, aware of these tensions and turmoil, says, be aware, be watching, be looking, and don't be caught off guard. And then he goes on and he says, heaven and earth will pass away. This is verse 31. But my words will not pass away. And, and so Jesus is coming and bringing to light all of these things that, that look like they're so solid and they're stable. Those things even in them, even the things as stable as earth and heavens itself, those things will be different. They will pass away. They will. They are. They are transitory in comparison to my word. And what is Jesus saying? You can trust what I'm telling you. You can believe that that everything I say here will come to pass. And He wants them to have confidence in in what He is telling them. And 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 the other thing to think about here is is Jesus levying these prophecies against the temple. This would have been uh, astronomical in the Jewish, or, or uh, asinine in the Jewish mind, that, that the temple would once again be removed from them. They had witnessed it one time, and they themselves would not have witnessed it. But in their history, Solomon builds this temple, and, and the king of Babylon comes and destroys the temple. And here they have another nation that would come in in AD 70, Rome, the, the, the second Babylon, and, and John from Revelation will actually call that, call Rome Babylon. They come in, they set up this abomination of desolation in that they come in and they, they destroy what was sacred and holy. They destroy the temple. And the, and the Jews would have not considered and even thought about that this might happen again. They, they were trying to be so diligent, and yet they had missed the mark so much that they were left 
blind to what was about to happen. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, my words will not pass away. This will come to pass. You can trust. So be aware and be awake. He continues on to verse 32. But concerning the day or, the, or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And, and, and this goes back to, again, Jesus saying, nobody knows, not even myself. I don't know when the day and the hour of this happening is going to take place, but the Father knows. But we're watching the signs. There's no exact date, but we're watching the signs. We're being aware. We're being awake. And this is what he's going to go on to say. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when that time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts a servant in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Stay awake and stay ready. And so he is warning the disciples to be awake and be ready that these things are going to come to pass. Ironically, they're not even going to make it like hours. So they're going to do this discourse and then Jesus is going to do the Last Supper and then they're going to go into the garden and they're going to fall asleep. And so the disciples struggle to do even this. But Jesus' call to them was to be awake, to be ready. And you can see in here, though, though, he, though I, I believe that he's alluding to what's going to happen with the temple, you can see in here the idea that, that the judgment that's going to be coming against the temple is actually God coming and judging the temple. It's not just going to be a, a, a um, it's not going to be an, an accident. It's not going to be something that is, um, that's not going to be something that was arbitrary. It's going to be on the will and the judgment of God. And, and this is a difficult thing for us to process through, that, that God would destroy his own house, but he does it with Nebuchadnezzar, and he, he does it again with Rome. Because of the corruption and the, the loss or the inability to capture the heart of God in the temple worship and the temple uh, systems at that time. But layered on top of that, and this is why it's so complex and such difficult uh, literature to read through, there is this illusion of God returning, of God coming back. There's this picture of, of the master coming back and, 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 and them not being aware. And so this is where it kind of branches out from the disciples to Mark's readers to all, all, of, all of the church throughout history, that, that if we are not aware and awake and, and, and anticipating uh, the return of the master, that, that we'll fall asleep and that we will miss and we will fall in line with the religious leaders that allowed the temple to become not what God had intended it to be. And so how in our lives, and this is where I want to get really practical, how in our lives do we live this out? How do we, how do we prepare and be ready and yet not also fall into the gutter of being infatuated uh, with these things. Because again, Mark is setting up this, these two ditches that we can fall into. We can give in to fear. We can uh, get so infatuated with end times and with picking out what, what is what, and we can, and, and we can, and reading these signs 
that we can lose the, the forest for the trees. Or we can become so ambivalent and so comfortable with the world in which we live that we, we don't think about it at all. And I would say that, that there, there are Christians that fall on both sides. And there are times in people's lives when, when they would fall on either side. And so whether we are going to be overexcited and overzealous in our abilities to understand the end times and, and to look for and anticipate the signs of the times, or whether we're going to be ambivalent to it and uh, we are going to be kind of lulled into sleep to not think about and anticipate, Jesus says, neither one of those are the path that I want you to take. So I don't want you to give in to fear. I don't want you to give in to, um, to, 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 preparing, um, to preparing your bunkers. And, and that's not what I'm calling you to do. But I'm also not calling you just to live life and pretend like this isn't going to be a thing. He says, I want you to be awake and aware. And so this is what I would kind of interpret that to mean. And when I hear that, this is what I think Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to keep our eyes and our hearts and our attention on him. He wants us to be diligently seeking him. That, that, that means doing our quiet times. That means going to church. That means gathering in our connect groups. He wants us doing whatever it takes to stay awake, to keep our eyes and our focus on him. He wants us to um, be diligent in our devotion to him. He wants nothing else to steal our hearts. So he wants us to be aware of the idols that creep in into our lives. He wants us to cast those things down and continue to build our affection for God. He wants us to be diligent in our love and our obedience to him. He wants us to be diligent about us transforming our lives so that we look more like him. That means that we are loving people the way that Jesus loved them. That means that we are allowing him to confront our sin and to, to change our ways. That means he's, we're allowing him to speak into our lives to show us people who he wants us to speak to, to evangelize, to, uh, to, to be bold about our trust and faith in Jesus with. All of these things that we would say are, are just typical everyday like Christian things, this is what he wants us to do, but he wants us to do it with diligence. He doesn't want us to take for granted that we have a lifetime of, of growing that, that so we can just kind of be kind of complacent about our faith and complacent about the transformation and the sanctification process in our lives. He says, no, I want you to be diligent. I want you to be purposed, to take seriously following me, seeing me as Lord, representing me as Lord and, and as, as a good God who loves the people of this world. He says, I want you to live like you have purpose and mission in your life so that you will be awake and you will be ready. Always remembering that I'm going to come back. Always remembering that I'm going to come for you and rescue you and redeem you, and I will not forsake you. And so what do you do in the meantime? And how do we live in the meantime? We look to him, and we live our lives on purpose about growing in our faith and becoming more like Christ. We, we don't bunker down, and we don't uh, ammo up. That's not what he, Jesus is calling us to do. Uh, I like zombie apocalypse movies. I think they're funny. Uh, and I, I, 
I think most of us have this picture of the end times, but that's not what Jesus calls us to do. He calls us to more generosity. He calls us to, to, to be more outward focused, to be more loving, to be more kind, to think of ways that we can bless others so that we can become more like him. He doesn't call us to be lulled into sleep and to just continue to live our lives comfortably. He calls us to focus on him. And so as we process through this very complicated uh, passage of Scripture, as we, we, as we process through apocaly- this apocalyptic literature that's found within Mark in Mark chapter 13, it is so important that, that we realize that, that, for one, we approach this stuff humbly because it's complicated and hard to understand. And for two, that we take away the main point that Jesus wants us to be faithful to him, that he wants us to be focused on him, and he wants us to be awake and alert and alive to the real possibility that at any moment, at any time, he is promised to rescue and redeem his people, and he could come back. And we should, as a church and as the people of God, be anticipating that moment. Peter, Paul, all of these guys that write, wrote the New Testament, they all were anticipating this moment and they were excited that it could happen in their lifetime. Are we as excited about Christ's return as they were? And can we say that we're waiting, that we're watching, and that we're diligent to pursue him and glorify him and to to be ready to accept him when he comes. I pray that this has been helpful and I hope that you've enjoyed it. And we look forward to walking through Mark chapter 14 with you next week.